We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back to the halfway mark here of Sports Talk Saturday. Joining us on the Wester Hotline is ESPN's Rich Samini, who covers the New York Jets. We're going to talk a little Jets offseason here with Rich. Rich, good afternoon, and thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. And, um, you know, a little bit longer of an offseason for you guys in New York. We, uh, we're we still kind of getting around to a lot of the offseason. Very unfamiliar territory for, for folks here in Buffalo getting all the way to the AFC Championship game. But, you know, there's been a lot that has happened in between the last time the Bills played a football game and the last time the Jets played a football game, including Robert Sala and the the, the, the Jets making an, uh, making it official and bringing him in as the new head coach. And, and I'm wonder, I wanted to start there with you, Rich just kind of getting an idea you know I, I I follow you and I follow along your reporting and for the last two years it has been something of a bit of a circus with um just everything that has gone into covering the last coach Adam Gase and I'm wondering I know it's very early and you haven't you don't have too much experience with Sala yet but I'm just wondering if you could compare which maybe no one can compare to Adam Gase's first press conference it, I think everyone kind of knew from that point on it was going to be a bit of a circus but Kind of compare the first couple of weeks of Salah's tenure to Adam Gase's tenure and how that might apply to maybe your confidence of what this team does in this upcoming offseason and into the 2021 season. Yeah, well, as you noted, I mean, Adam got off to a rough start with that press press conference, which is kind of living in infamy on, on Internet memes. I don't, <laughs> you know, I think it'll be 20 years from now yes. you'll be able to check on that. But, uh, you know, Robert was, uh, of course, he did, Roberts was by Zoom. It wasn't in person, but, you know, he came across as a very polished guy who was prepared, you know, with his statements and came across as, as a genuine guy with, you know, a vision for what he wants his football team to be. And really, that as a fan, that's really all you're asking for in these press conferences. We tend to overplay. I mean, you guys probably do it, too, in Buffalo and everywhere in the NFL. We watch these press conferences and we try to determine whether the coach wins the press conference as if that will have any impact on what happens on the field. But, you know, Adam, you know, when he got off to a, uh, you know, his first months were very turbulent because after he hired his staff and they, you know, right before the draft, we were already hearing rumblings that he and the general manager weren't getting along, which of course he and the Jets vehemently denied. But of course, you know, two or three weeks after the, you know, 2019 draft, the Jets fired their GM, Mike McCagnan. So that that was really the start of the Adam Gase uh, regime, just a lot of upheaval. Whereas with Robert, you know, he's aligned with the GM, Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas actually picked him. That was his choice. So it's not an arranged marriage. And so you would think that they're going to be aligned philosophically. And we'll see. I mean, we haven't even hit free agency yet. And I think he put together, you know, a pretty solid staff. And, 
you know, but the big stuff starts happening now, mm-hmm. you know, with all the personnel moves that are looming on the horizon. So before we get into some of that and talking about the offseason and the draft that's that's coming up, I, I wanted to get your, your thoughts. Um, you know, the whole Le'Veon Bell era in New York was as weird as maybe the Le'Veon Bell era uh, between the Jets and the Steelers, like where, you know, he sits out for a season. It just, it, it felt like he just sort of had a three-year extended holdout, and that's sort of what it feels like. And then watching him, you know, get signed in the offseason, and the reason I'm asking you is because the Bills were genuinely interested in adding Le'Veon Bell to the roster um, for their run, and ultimately he decides to go to Kansas City, and by that time, um, you know, he's not even on the playoff roster. Like, he's not playing, and maybe it's, you know, it's injuries or whatever, but I guess my question to you is from what you've seen in the last you know year and a half in New York and then you know the the small sample size we saw in Kansas City does it feel like Le'Veon Bell's career is 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 maybe we're we're coming up to a wrap on that Yeah yeah I I think he's past his prime and uh and I will give Adam Grace Gates credit for that because he was the one who who uh, saw through that I mean he did not want to sign Le'Veon I think that became pretty public at the time which probably didn't do wonders for his relationship with Le'Veon, but Adam, you know, and I give him credit for that. He was the one who saw a running back who was uh, dramatically overpriced and didn't want him on the team. And the Jets paid, you know, I think it was thirteen and change per year, uh, you know, for Le'Veon Bell, and he he gave them nothing. I mean, he he didn't even have a. He played eighteen games. They ended up paying him about twenty six million dollars, and he didn't even have a one hundred yard rushing game. I mean, it was just, it was, un- I was mind-boggling about how little, how unproductive he was. Now, a lot of people were blaming, oh, the offensive line is terrible. Yeah, but occasionally you want to see a running back break out, you know, a 25 or 30-yard run just on his own ability to, to miss, ta- you know, break tackles. But that never happened. I think his longest run might have been 18 yards That's crazy. in two years. I mean, it's just, this stuff is mind-boggling. It'll go down as one of the worst free agent signings in Jets history. And look, I think the joke around the Jets became that the only thing that could stop the Chiefs offense is putting in Le'Veon Bell into the game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> until, until Tampa did it to them in the, in the Super Bowl. Obviously, yeah. uh, Tampa did a great job of stopping them. But I know when the Jets played uh, the Chiefs and Le'Veon was on the Chiefs, we were all writing about all week about how Le'Veon was going to have his revenge game. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I mean, I think the Jets took a, a, a sigh of relief every time yeah. Le'Veon got the ball in that game because he was not a threat to break it beyond three or four yards. It's just remarkable, Rich, to sort of see. And I think it's the delicate ecosystem that these running backs live in. Um, I mean, there's no argument from me or from anybody that Le'Veon Bell was one of the most dominant players at the position in football a short four and a half, five seasons ago. And where he is now, just I think it speaks to why you your your you know teams are so cautious about giving these running backs a second contract. And that's the thing is we're not talking about, you know, Le'Veon Bell's third contract or anything. We're talking this was a second contract. This was a young player. Um and I and I think it just really goes into the delicate um nature that these running backs have to play with and why why it is uh, a Le'Veon Bell should have held out or should have held out for that money because we know now that guys don't typically get to that third contract and I think Le'Veon Bell's a really good example of that. Um Rich, I wanted to to move towards the quarterback situation in New York and 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 learning a little bit about how this staff is going to be um you know ultimately filled out on the offensive side of things with um LaFleur coming in and I'm wondering 
I, part of me, I, I've, I was always a big Sam Darnold fan coming out. I, I always thought that you know it was going to be a matter of the system and 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 the organization that he went to. And I think you would agree, no quarterback would have had success. Josh Allen wouldn't be Josh Allen today if he went to New York. Um, you know, and and I think that's just I think that goes for a lot of quarterbacks. But knowing what we know now on who's going to be in place in the offensive coordinator position, do do the Jets? What do the Jets do here at quarterback is ultimately my question because they have a lot of routes. At least there's options, but it feels yeah. like it feels like a lot of teams might be willing to line up for Sam Darnold. And if that's the case, it feels like you can't move him then. Yeah, I mean, they do have options. Uh, in my opinion, there's only one, you know, rock-solid great alternative here, and that's if they could somehow – pride Deshaun Watson away from Houston but from all indications at this point you know he's not going to be traded so I don't think the Jets can build their off-season plan around that because it's just such a major uncertainty uh, you can't count on the Houston trading uh, Deshaun before the draft so the Jets are going to go uh, with the plan which uh, you know I don't know right now but they clearly are listening to teams calling a, a handful of teams have called about Sam Darnold and they've engaged those teams in talks, that tells me that, you know, Sam Darnold is on the market and that uh, if the right deal comes along, the Jets would do it. Now, uh, there's been some speculation that they could even get a low first-round pick for him. If the Jets get offered a low first-round pick for Sam Darnold, I, I would do that deal in a heartbeat before the other team changes their mind. <laughs> I mean, that, that's too good of a, a, an offer for for a, a quarterback who has not reached his potential by a long shot and has also only got one year left on his rookie contract. You know, they, I think the Jets would do that deal in a second if they get high, you know, even for a high two. So that, you know, it's a very complicated decision right now. Do they feel like, and I know there's some support in the organization for Sam. There's some people in the building who really like him and thinks that he could do better with better coaching and better people around him. But there's also, a, you know, a segment where they they would like to draft a quarterback, maybe a Zach Wilson from BYU. So I, I think we're gonna we may not know the answer to this question until April 29th, the night of the draft, on what they're actually going to do. But I think it's 50-50 right now whether it's Sam or it's a uh, draft uh, a quarterback from the draft. ESPN's Rich Samini here joining me on the Western Hotline talking about the Jeff's Jets offseason plans. And, you know, part of, I think, what would hopefully give Jets fans the uh, the confidence going into this offseason is just how much, you know, Joe Douglas, I think, really wiped, uh, cleaned up in the draft last year. Mekhi Becton turns into one of the league's, um, one of the league's better young left tackles um, in all of football. And, and I'm wondering, from your perspective, um, you know, going into this offseason with plenty of money to spend um you know what are the prospects of the Jets being I don't want to call them a destination but with the new coach who is I think pretty widely considered um a very respected coach not only amongst you know league officials but players they players like him and you've heard guys like Richard Sherman come on the record and talk about you know wanting to play for Robert Sala so knowing that you have a guy that maybe players want to come play for now do you see the Jets being with the cap space that they have one of of, if not one of the most aggressive teams this offseason in free agency. And knowing what we know about free agency, that this is the time of year where mediocre players end up being overpaid, do you suspect that Joe Douglas will be maybe keeping that in mind when trying to build this roster, knowing it, for the most part, it's a young team. You don't necessarily want to overspend on high-priced veterans. 
Well, I mean, overspending in free agency is just, you know, it's a given. It, it always happens. I mean, that's that's why teams that rely on free agency usually don't sustain success for a long period of time. Um, you know, one per, one of my colleagues, and I can't remember who said it, but it was a great analogy on free agency. It's like ordering, you know, ordering a fancy meal in, in an airport restaurant. You're always going to pay a lot more, you know, for pay because you're in an airport and not, and the meal won't even be that great. So that's like free, what free agency is. And you're right about Salah. I think there is the reputation around the league that players would like to play for him. And, and, and so that's a good thing for the Jets. So that'll help. But ultimately, they don't have a roster that's ready to compete for a championship right now. And so they're still going to have to overpay to get quality players in there. They're going to have, they have close to $70 million in cap space right now, which I think is third most in the league. The time they get done cutting some veterans, they're going to be well over $80 million. So you, the Jets will be in a position to spend in a year where half the league is over the cap right now because we all know the cap is going to go down. And so the Jets will be in a very good position to, to add talent and use this cap room. Now, you asked me if they're going to be aggressive. I would say selectively aggressive. Joe Douglas is not a big spender in free agency. He's an Aussie Newsome disciple so if he sees a player or two that he really likes i think he'll be aggressive but you're not going to see what the previous regime did you're not going to see them go out and sign a Le'Veon bell for 13 million a cj mosley for 17 million a jameson crowder for 10 million a year i think they will limit their spending to one player and then fill in with some you know modestly priced free agents the rest of the way. So, Rich, last question for you at number two. I know you, you you mentioned talking a little Zach Wilson from BYU. Justin Fields, obviously an opportunity for this team. Um, you know, how much do you believe, you know, and, and I think a lot of this is going to depend on just how confident, how many, and how loud those voices are within the organization that are in support of Sam Darnold, and, and ultimately how important those voices are um, within that organization. Because if it's, you know, if it's not Joe Douglas, it may not matter whether or not people within the organization like Sam Darnold, but would you make the argument that this is maybe the year where you could surround him with an elite level talent? And I'm thinking Devonta Smith um, or Jamar Chase that, you know, ultimately the Jets could have the the pick of the litter of basically the best position player or best, um, you know, ultimately weapon on the outside, a receiver in the draft. And, and I think if you're the Jets, you do have to think long and hard about that because you may not come across a guy like Devonta Smith again. I mean, a guy that it could just end up being a total game changer at the next level, same with Jamar Chase. And I wonder, you know, it, it, how much of that may play into their decision at quarterback. Yeah, it's a big factor. You raise a very good point because I think if they stay with Sam and they're at number two, I do think they'll be able to trade that pick to a team that needs a quarterback like Atlanta at four or Carolina at eight. Those teams are going to be in the quarterback market. And if the Jets traded down to Atlanta at four, and, you know, they could pick up, you know, a couple of extra premium picks. Right now the Jets have three of the top 34 picks in the draft. If you move down a couple or a few spots, you'll, you'll probably get another pick in the top 34 and, and then another pick maybe in the top 40 or 50. And so you could really add multiple weapons around Sam Darnold. Um, you mentioned the two receivers. I think that they would be very, very high on the Jets list. Today, Sewell, the tackle from Oregon, you know, you get a mm-hmm. bookend tackle with Makai Becton. So suddenly, you know, if you keep Sam and trade that pick, which I, I'm fairly confident they'd be able to do, 
you know, you, you could make a, you could, this could be a watershed draft for the Jets. I mean, this could really turn around their franchise because God knows they have so many holes to fill on this roster. So uh, that is definitely one of the avenues they could take. You know, it, for sure, it's, it's in play. You know, the downside to that is what happens if you keep Sam and he has another bad to mediocre year and then he's a free agent after the year, then what do you do next year for a quarterback? So uh, they, they, have number, they have two number one picks next year in 2022 because of the Jamal Adams trade to Seattle. So they would probably have to use those two picks, package them and move up in the 22 draft to try to get a quarterback if Darnold does not pan out. All right, Rich. Well, thank you for your time, man. Thanks for being so generous and uh, and joining us and talking some Jets. I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll be reaching back out at some point this offseason to bring you back on. So we th- we appreciate it, man, and uh, keep up the good work and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. All right, great. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Rich Samini there of ESPN. He covers the New York Jets for ESPN NFL Nation. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.